2: This is your host, Herb Cohen, with my co-host, Joe Applebaum, Potomac Companies, John Yetman, Association for Enterprise Growth, and David Kunzman, Porturi Law. And let's see, we have a great lineup of guests for you in our show today, including Blake Allison, founder and CEO of LifeSense, followed by Jason Miller, CEO and president of ZyEdge, Mercedes Lemp, executive director of My Sister's Place, and Robert Peck, CEO and co-founder of Commonwealth Joe Coffee Roasters. Let's get to know our first guest, Blake Allison, founder and CEO of LifeSense, Blake, what is LifeSense? What are you guys doing? Uh, good
3: morning. Uh, LifeSense is a financial health and wellness app that helps uh, people make better financial decisions. Uh, and this is a to c SaaS And company.
2: how large or how small is the organization?
3: Uh, we have 10 full-time employees and a, d- a right. development firm of uh, about 12. And
2: where are you from originally?
3: Virginia Beach, Virginia.
2: And how many brothers and sisters?
3: Older brother, older sister.
2: Older brother, older sister. And how young were you
3: when you started coming up with ideas? <laughs> Uh, as as young as I can remember, um, I, I remember always uh, Rearranging the furniture in my room and kind of pridefully showing my parents that you know yet another weekend I've moved stuff around um, I just You always mentioned
2: actually in the, in, the, uh, in the green room you were telling us that you know You're always trying to figure out a better way a more efficient way to do things lay things out. Is that true?
3: Yeah, I, I think uh, it holds true today. I think there's uh, always a better way uh, I always want to build a better mousetrap uh-huh and the slide from what was the next thing you did what did you how young were you and started making money uh one of the first ideas was actually painting uh, house numbers on uh the street curbs in front of houses mm-hmm. um there was a city ordinance in virginia beach that uh, it was a it was a requirement most people didn't know that so uh my friend and i went door to door
2: whose idea was that uh mine figures and uh, what kind of sports did you play
3: uh Love so- love playing soccer, uh, but my my passion's uh, playing tennis.
2: Uh huh. Singles or doubles? Singles. Why?
3: Uh, I just I, I like the um, there's more court, uh, more control, um, uh-huh. more what's variety that of shots. Ha- what's
2: that have to do with uh, your being the founder and CEO of this organization called LifeSense?
3: Well, I mean, you, you have to you know, a lot of responsibility is put on your shoulders uh, in singles and. You know you make the decisions and make the shots that uh you know win or lose the points and i think the same thing applies to the business i
2: just wanted to make sure i understood david
3: um what was going on in at home uh, around the age of five um five my
4: my parents uh divorced and you indicated in the green room you grew up with limited means you were raised by your mother um and what does that have to do with what you do now
3: so, uh, my mom was a school teacher, uh, raising the, the uh, you know, us three kids. Uh, we, we definitely had limited means. Um, you know, sh- uh, as as a teacher, you know, I, I certainly saw her her passion for helping people, uh, mentoring people. Um, but I, I think the combination of of that uh, passion to help other people, as well as um, realizing that there's a tr- there's a real need to help people achieve financial security, um, kind of uh, was part of what. Helped me create this this idea for life sense
4: so it's both it's you learn caring you also learn teaching through her Do I, I would egg? think
3: so yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
5: john what influence did your stepfather have on you
3: so my parents remarried when i was 10 um, or my, my my mom remarried when i was 10. Uh, my stepfather uh, at one point worked for uh the federal government and uh interestingly for a guy who likes likes to spend more times hunting and fishing and being out in the woods uh, he ha- wound up starting his own business, um, and you know certainly that was a great uh, gave me a great perspective. Um, and I saw you know he did very well uh, for someone that, that did not have. Did you ever help him? Background. Did you
2: ever help him with his business?
3: You know, actually I, uh, I I did. I mean, how
2: young were you when you started helping him with his business?
3: Um, probably from day one. So what uh, was his business? It was a uh, environmental consulting business. And what did you
2: do? How were you able to help him?
3: You know, I'm a pretty pretty good writer, so uh, very often um, I would help him craft letters. How, how young were you when you were doing this? Um, maybe even as young as junior high. So, so in
2: junior high school, you're helping your stepdad write letters for his business. You think that had any influence on you? Uh,
3: well, it certainly uh, exposed me to. Um,
2: some business thinking, didn't Bus- it?
3: Business thinking. Uh, certainly, uh, he was. He dealt a lot with, um, you know, federal laws like the. How'd that make Act. you feel?
2: The fact that uh, your stepdad was depending on you to write these letters and this marketing stuff.
3: You know, I, w- I I'm quite honored actually. I mean, certainly. Um, you being like that people
2: depending on you, didn't you?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's great to support the people uh-huh. around you for, sh- for sure. It's
2: interesting. Uh, it was a young lady here, uh, Whitney. What's your last name? Jones. And wh- what's your organ? What's your role in the organization?
3: I'm the
6: head of operations at LifeSense.
2: So what's Blake's reputation amongst the team at LifeSense?
6: Well, he's definitely known as uh, a great leader and a mentor, somebody that everybody can go to at any point.
2: So he's like the company dad or something like that, huh? Correct. And uh, people like, to- Like, do you guys like really enjoy talking with him?
6: We do. Sometimes we uh, stay a little bit late just to talk.
2: You st- wait a minute. It doesn't sound like that. I mean, I read in the newspapers that, you know, usually at work, they're suing and they're screaming and there's are yelling. But it doesn't sound like you have that kind of environment there.
6: Never. We, we go out for happy hours together.
2: You go out for happy hours toge- with your boss?
3: We're a close-knit team.
2: Wow. B- uh, Blake, where's that coming from in your background?
3: You know, I, I, again, I, th- I think that. Are you trying to create your own family here? <laughs> well, y- y- I think to have a su- successful organization, you, you have to treat people uh like family you have to you know, respect them and and really consider that um, you know work is a huge part of everyone's life are you married or are
2: you married or single Blake
3: uh, I am married uh-huh you have any kids I have one son
2: what's the similarity between being a dad and being the uh, CEO uh,
3: I think being a CEO is a lot easier <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: well okay I'm not gonna ask you why and uh, what's the best part of your gig best part of your job
3: uh, you know what, I, I, I love I love my job. I'm very fortunate, uh, you know, you, you hear the expression that if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And I'm very fortunate to be in that situation.
2: What, what, do, you, what do you love about what you do?
3: So one, I, I, I know that we are making an impact. I, I th- from a company perspective, I think we do uh, what we do better than anybody. I, I think that we have a fantastic team. Everyone's very committed, very passionate about this. And I know, and we all know that we're we are moving the needle to help improve people's lives.
5: John, did you have a question? Yeah, you said as a kid you had an Apple IIe. Right. Explain
3: the uh, connection
5: between that and what you're doing now.
3: Yeah, so I've always had an affinity to, to finance and personal finance. Um, so early on, you know, the one thing that we did have uh, in a time of limited means, because my mom was a teacher, we had an Apple IIe computer, which was probably, you know, I think, the second computer they put out. Um, but it, there was a little <coughs> stock trading game uh, that had the, the, the candlestick charts so you could hit buttons and see things go up and down but it really kind of piqued my interest and um, you know that led me actually to get an undergrad and a grad degree in finance
2: what was going on you were in turkey for a limited period of time this is a number of years ago what happened to you in turkey that affected you
3: yeah so i'm very fortunate to uh, at a time i was doing a lot of consulting i was consulting with financial services companies in turkey uh, at the time, Turkey was trying to modernize their financial services markets. Um, so that meant uh, bringing new products to market, products that had n- never been in existence yeah. before.
2: So how did that affect you? What did you see?
3: So I just there's a huge chasm between what consumers know and understand um, and their ability to make informed decisions versus the, the rate at which new products were being brought to market. So
2: you, you understood that there was a big difference between the opportunities that the public had to invest and what they knew. Uh huh. Yeah, how's so that? Af- how's that affecting you nowadays, or did that affect your development of this business?
3: Yeah. So I, I think that that um, I think we do a very good job of anticipating where the market is going, and and I don't mean the the capital markets like the stock market, but the opportunity and financial wellness. Um, I think we've done a very good job of of you know really getting ahead of the curve and anticipating where we need to be to make the. The big, biggest impact. Yeah.
2: See, so this. I mean, this goes back right to your childhood. I mean, I guess when mom and dad got, you know, mom and dad were divorced. There was concerns about money, and you know, you really take it seriously, don't you?
3: Yeah. I mean, we we had to be very um, self sufficient. I mean, I remember riding my beach cruiser, you know, a bike with no gears, riding it about five miles to go to a, a computer class. You know, when I was in the sixth grade, just because again, it was an opportunity. My mom was able to open up because she was a teacher but the only way to get there was for me to get on a, on a beach cruiser and ride for you know forever
2: so <laughs> you understood that you you know your nature was to go do whatever it took uh, of course you know but as opposed to the bad stuff i read about ceos i mean you know you don't want people to suffer like you uh, struggled when you were a kid
3: yeah i mean i look I, I i i've seen my mom um a teacher who went on to get her master's and phd to move up and, and run the science you know sciences for the virginia beach school system you know, as long as someone's, you know, uh, well, you know, when you're working for someone else, as long as someone else is signing that paycheck, you do what you have to do. Um, um, in, in a situation now, running, running my own business, same thing, where other people are dependent on me signing those checks, so we've got to do what we have to do.
2: You feel a great deal of responsibility to your team, don't you, as opposed to, your, you know, get out of here, you're not doing the job, or I'm going to lay you off. You, it feels like, you know, like you're really fathering everybody.
3: That, I mean, I, I think we're... we're Whitney, we're, why are
2: you shaking your head Yes.
3: Yeah, because
6: it's very true. He, he is, you know, a mentor to us and, and is willing to put in the time to develop us professionally.
2: He's willing to put in the time to develop something like personally, too, he's willing to develop. It sounds like he really enjoys his gig. Blake, what's the website address of this organization known as LifeSense?
3: LifeSense.com. How do you spell that? L-I-F-E-C-E-N-T-S.com.
2: We've been speaking with Blake Allison, founder and CEO of LifeSense, your own executive leaders radio. And your name and organization is...
7: Allison Greenhouse, Turn Right Strategies.
2: And what do you guys do for a living?
7: I'm a professional coach, an executive coach, and really a people designer, which means I help people address the complexities, challenges, and changes of business.
2: And where's this coming from in your own
7: childhood? I grew up in a very masculine environment. I had a lot of cousins that were all boys, and I was in a situation where I was usually Seen and told not to be heard,
2: and that uh, was you were saying earlier. You were talking about you were in two worlds. So that I was one world. What was the other world you were talking about?
7: The other world was I was around boys in my neighborhood who uh, were very competitive, and I would participate. Uh, for example, I was in a, I was in a, a bike race with them, and uh, one day I uh, I went into the race fell on the bike, skinned my knees pretty severely, and they all clapped for me and thought it was the greatest thing I ever did. how
2: mm-hmm. that make mm-hmm. you feel?
7: Well, I finally felt like I had a little bit of power over them.
2: Mm-hmm. So wh- what did you get from that experience? Does anything to do with what you're doing nowadays?
7: From For me, it was taking a risk. It was going at it full force mm-hmm. and learning from that risk.
2: Mm-hmm. What's the best part of your gig nowadays? What do you enjoy about your job?
7: I enjoy... Watching people grow, change, and have success.
2: Hmm. So you really enjoy supporting somebody so that they, uh, that they know that somebody's there for them.
7: Well, what's the website address of your organization? Turnrightstrategies.com. Let me have that again. Turnrightstrategies.com. .com. And your name again is? Allison Greenhouse.
2: And the name of the organization is Turnright Strategies, and it's turnrightstrategies.com, correct? correct all right and this has been your business spotlight we'll be back in a moment right after this break and your name is jeff lawson and jeff what organization are you with i'm with lakota hotels and resorts and wh- what do you guys do what kind of stuff are you doing that's special
8: well we manage uh, conference centers and hotels and we're currently managing the national conference center in leesburg virginia national conference Center. how large or how small is this organization Um, The conference center itself has 900 rooms in size, 350,000 square feet of meeting space, dining facilities for 850, uh, exercise facility all set on 61 acres of land.
2: Wow this is a large organization isn't it? It is very large. Uh And what's your role in the organization?
8: I'm the general manager and I have oversight of the uh, property and all the hospitality services that occur. Well what's the general manager supposed to do with this large facility? Make sure I have a, make sure eight executive committee members and a, and a full uh, staff of two hundred and ten do their daily jobs. So, how many folks do you have
2: running through your halls on a weekly basis, or daily basis, or annual basis? What's that look like? Well, on a
8: weekly basis, on a full house, we'll have uh, nine hundred per night, um, seven nights, uh, sixty three hundred, which translates to about twenty thousand meals a week. Wow. And
2: uh, your job, are you working 9 to 5 or do you end up having to work evenings and early mornings and weekends and stuff like that?
8: No, I'd say I'm always on duty. Uh huh.
2: What do you enjoy
8: about your job? Meeting people, working with some of the finest hospitality people in Virginia, which is my team, and meeting our clients because they're wonderful. So you're helping your clients plan their events? Well, we help plan. Uh, they are there for some form of education that goes on at one end of our business, and at the other end of our business, they're there for social catering events, uh, weddings and such.
2: So you're, you're running a 24-by-7 facility, aren't you?
8: We are. Uh huh. What's the website address of this organization? Conferencecenter.com. Let me have that again conference center.com and your name again is jeff lawson and the name of the organization lakota hotels and
2: resorts and this has been your business spotlight we're back you're listening to executive Leaders radio this is your host herb Cone. we'd like to introduce jason miller who's ceo and president of Edge and uh, jason what is Edge actually i see a bunch of other how many companies are you involved with quite a
9: few um i'm involved with clear shark uh, how, Fuse, many, how many employees is that? Approximately 70. What's the next one? Um, Fuse Engineering, how approximately many? the same size. And the next one? Uh, Fuse Solutions, mm-hmm. uh, about a half a dozen. Mm-hmm. And um, and Zyedge, mm-hmm. uh, which will be known further uh, mm-hmm. moving forward. And, and when as, how many employees as, is that? As Fuse Commercial, uh, approximately two dozen. Uh-huh. And
2: you're involved with a Speed Shop, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, that's my so passion. So that's five. All right. Correct. So uh, where are you from originally? Glen Burnie, Maryland. And you're involved with five different businesses. You're originally from Glen Burnie, Maryland. How many brothers and sisters? One sister. Older. And uh, what was going on with you when you were a kid?
9: A whole lot of stuff. Uh, my mom left when I was 10. Wait,
2: wait, wait, wait. Your mom left when you were 10. So what happened to your relationship with your sister then, your uh, older sister?
9: She really stepped in and took over the motherly role and uh, raised me.
2: You were 10. How
9: old was your sister? Five years
2: older. So 15. she's 15 as opposed to her going out and having fun. She's raising her little brother, huh?
9: Yes. And even when she did, she took me with her.
2: Wow. Okay. <laughs> and then what happened to you when you were about in the 11th grade or so?
9: I decided that it was best that I go out on my own and uh, not attend the high school that I was originally going to because so it was changing.
2: So you dropped out of school. Correct. When you were in 11th grade, going into 11th grade. Going into 11th grade. Okay. So mom left when you were 10. And you dropped out of school when you were going into 11th grade. Correct. Okay. And you're involved with five different businesses now employing, it looks like, about 150 people or so. Approximately. Uh-huh. You're pretty driven, aren't you? Uh, I think so. Uh-huh. You think there's anything to do with the fact your mom left when you were 10?
9: Uh, I'm sure some of it's driven from there.
2: What else is it driven from?
9: Uh, well, I would say I had a couple of mentors growing up. And Mm -hmm. they taught me the different elements independently Mm -hmm. um, to be straight with people. Oh, David, why don't you take it from here?
10: When
4: uh, you dropped out of school, how did you get your life turned around?
9: I started paying attention to the people who didn't look miserable.
4: And um, you mentioned the green room, uh, you enlisted in the Marine Corps. I did. And tell us how that impacted you.
9: Well, I originally enlisted in the Air Force. My dad told me I was not going to get what I needed there. So... uh, I told him if he didn't drive me the Marine Corps recruiter that day that I would not do it. <laughs> and and ha- what did the Marine Corps give you? It I, would, I could summarize it as um, camaraderie and the inability to fail. And how do you use that today in your job? I try not to fail, mm-hmm. and I try to be
4: reliable. Okay. Um, you mentioned also about your sister, and you learnt, took care of you, stepped in, uh, you know, lovingly. Li- unselfishly how did that impact you today
9: I think it's a selflessness because at that particular point in her life um, she could have chose to not do that and left me to fend for myself but didn't and I think that that is the selflessness that I carry with me today when I deal with my employees
2: Mm -hmm. John
5: hey Jason so other than the Marine Corps you had talked about a couple of your other influencers the one was a Baltimore City police officer another was a pastor can you talk about that
9: uh, each one of those individuals um, let me tote along with me through life, their uh, their characteristics that I observed over time. And one was, uh, you know, the police officer showed me how to be straight with people. Be honest. Be honest with yourself. And you can be honest with others. How about right? the pastor? Hey, he he honestly showed me structure. <clears throat> he showed me structure. They had uh, quite a few children, and they were very family-oriented, and that was something I was not around
5: very often. Fantastic. and And you also... In the green room, we talked about the fact that you had humble beginnings. So how does all of this impact how you treat your employees today?
9: Um, I like to think of myself as one of the, one of the folks, a tool in the toolbox. Um, so uh, what you'll hear uh, that are staples are, hey, if you have a meeting you need me to attend because you think I can be, be beneficial, take me with you. If you're going out of town, let me know. I'll go with you. If you need some advice, I'm happy to sit down and give it to you. Um, so I would say that's how, that's how I port it. I treat people. How I want to be treated and I try to, uh, pay forward, um, any information I can give to somebody to help them.
2: Well, what was fascinating to me is that, um, you know, mom left when you were 10, your sister's raising you and as opposed to you and, and you dropped out, you had all the signs of getting yourself in trouble. Oh, I did. But you got yourself in. You got yourself involved with the Marines, and you really found you found <coughs> these mentors. What what attracted you to these mentors, and why these folks?
9: Um, I didn't want to let them down. Ooh, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Uh, I think everybody did see me at face value for the path I was going down, and I wanted to disprove that.
2: You didn't <coughs> want to let them down. Mm-hmm. What, what's that have to do with the way you conduct yourself nowadays?
9: I still don't want to let anybody down.
2: Let who down? Who are you talking about? Anyone who's associated with me. Is that employees?
9: Anyone. I, I thought the whole thing with employees is so they don't do their job, you just fire them. I uh, say so you, you give them enough rope and you give them the mentorship. And then if you do get to that point, you can look them dead in their eyes and you can say it's because of you, not me.
2: So you're telling <coughs> me that you you your middle name is giving the people what you got, which is really trying to mentor them.
9: Try to give them opportunity to excel. And if they choose not to, that's on them. And I can with a light heart. Um, make the changes that I need to. You ever been involved with turning somebody's life around? I
2: have. <coughs>
9: at work? Yes. You went out of your way to do this? Uh, I wouldn't say out of my way. I just did what I thought somebody would do for me. And why'd you do that? Um, paying it forward. Mm, so this
2: was somebody that came to work that, you know, you you, spe- you spent some extra time with and tried to bring
9: along. I Actually, it's a childhood friend who worked at UPS and hated his job. <clears throat> and he's a good person I, I uh, put him through the clearance process and now he's a federal employee at an agency.
2: So this this wasn't even in your own employee this was Not somebody really. that you knew personally Correct. and you reached out to him.
9: Correct and his skill set wasn't something that we deal with so when we realized we couldn't place him I um, ha- helped him submit his resume to the federal government and um, he was ultimately hired.
2: Because you just wanted to help him. Correct. Uh-huh. <clears throat> so um, how many kids you got?
9: Uh, between my fiance and I we have seven seven kids
2: correct and um, What's the similarity between your role as the CEO and dad
9: I? Would say when I walk in the room, there's always somebody who has a question
2: (laughs) Tell me more about that. Tell me more about that. What do you mean?
9: Uh, I would say that um, I'm a strategist both at home and at work Looking for creative marketing if it's to get our kids to do chores or if it's to incentivize somebody to perform. So
2: you're seeing a lot of similarity between your kids and the people that you're working with in terms of how do you get everybody to do what needs to get done? How do you incent them? How do you get stuff done? What are the creative solutions? It's all the same kind of stuff. It's all the same, have. they're all human. Uh huh. So I, I got a question with you. At home, um, who, who wears the pants in the family? You or your fiance? Oh, my
9: fiance does.
2: Uh huh. Without so, question. <laughs> so you, so you guys, you know, you guys split up the responsibilities at home. You're comfortable trusting.
9: Uh, yeah, she developed a chore chart uh, that has thorough descriptions and uh, reminders. And daily, every kid has a chore every single day of the week when we have them. And uh, her ability to lead um, and explain exactly what she expects is uh, uncanny.
2: Sounds to me like your wife is like the Marines. Her father is a retired sergeant major. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. It sounds like you're going to have a successful relationship here like you did with the Marines. That's correct. Uh
9: Uh-huh. Always have since eighth grade. What do you mean? Uh, This is the young lady I took to the eighth grade dance and tried to court her for years, and we went off our separate directions. And when there was an opportunity that made sense, we were able to put it together now that I've matured.
2: I see. Okay. (laughs) Oh, Mm -hmm. I see. So she really knows who you are. What's her first name?
9: Anne Marie. Anne Marie.
2: Uh Smartest woman I know. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, what's the best? What's the best part of your day? Uh, going home. What are you talking about? What do you mean?
9: Um, when you go home, it uh, it should be represent representative of uh, your hard work and um, you know what you've chosen to do with your life. So be it your kids, uh, your hobbies, or whatever. If you've um, been able to. Uh, be fortunate enough to be successful. When you go home,
5: you can actually uh, you sure, can feel it. You can see
2: it. you had about the break in this?
5: Yeah, well, you took a hiatus for a while, right? And uh, you said it wasn't as meaningful. Can you talk about that?
9: So I took a slight hiatus where I was attending high-level meetings and board-level meetings and leadership meetings, et cetera. So filling the position that you probably should at that point, um, being an operator and not just an owner, um, that's difficult but but uh, when you're not when you're used to being the person on the keyboard or the person who is a doer and now you're helping mentor and lead the people that there are doing. Right uh, what, what what's
2: the website address
9: of Zyedge? Uh, it is .com with
2: Jason Miller CEO and President of Zyedge. we'll back in a moment right after this break.
9: Your name is
6: Brandon Herbert
2: and the name of the organization
6: Infinity Wellness Partners. And
2: what is Infinity
6: Wellness Partners? We're a corporate wellness provider based here in Washington, D.C. And what do you do for your clients? We provide comprehensive wellness programs.
2: And what what, what do you mean by a comprehensive wellness program?
6: So everything... Uh, On-site and online, we bring activity classes, workshops, staff-wide challenges, and health coaching are four major aspects.
2: So your clients are the corporations that bring you in to provide these wellness programs for their employees. Absolutely. Do they get a return on their investment?
6: Uh, They sure do, between three and $5 over a five-year period for comprehensive programs. And
2: how would they get that return on investment? What's that made up of?
6: Uh, Well, our programs are made up of, like I mentioned before, you know, everything from one-on-one coaching and different levels of engagement to uh, staff-wide, you know, walking challenges or weight loss challenges.
2: And the benefit to the company is that they've got healthier and happier employees that stick around longer?
6: Absolutely, more loyalty, less absenteeism, more productivity, Um, you name it, all the benefits, all the value.
2: How long have you been doing this?
6: Uh, Six years.
2: And what do you enjoy about
6: this? I enjoy the one-on-one contact. I originally started as a one-on-one health coach and provi- now am able to touch many more lives through our corporate programs. What, what do you mean a
2: one-on-one health coach? What's a one-on-one health coach still? Uh,
6: helping with behavior change, um, looking at all aspects of life to, to try to help with their So if I've got wellness. some personal
2: issues going on, like I like to lose weight or whatever it might be, you would be talking to me about that stuff?
6: I'd probably recommend you to one of our teammates, Huh? one of our team members. That's sort of
2: interesting. That's really neat. What's the, what's the name of this organization again?
6: Infinity Wellness Partners. What's your
2: website address?
6: Uh, it's infinitywellnesspartners.com.
2: Let me have that one more time.
6: infinitywellnesspartners.com.
2: And this has been your business spotlight.
6: And your name is? Ramon
2: Parker. And Ramon, name of the organization? Loud and Free Clinic. And you were telling me there's some something special about the Loudoun Pre Clinic, where every dollar that goes in does something else. What was that all about?
10: Yeah, it does something magical. So for every dollar that's donated to our clinic, we can deliver $8 worth of care.
2: And what kind of clinic is this? Who are, you, who are you helping out? What kind of stuff do you guys do?
10: So we're helping out those who are 18 to 64 who are uninsured and low income, 200% or below the federal poverty level. And give me this thing about the math again. Give me how that works. So essentially, I have a, a staff of 12 individuals and 128 volunteers. So, with that kind of payer mix, I'm able to deliver, you know. Anywhere from eight dollars uh, in care for our patients.
2: Because you've been able to enroll the support of so many
10: volunteers, you're actually keeping the cost of health care down, and therefore multiplying the dollars. And making one of it one of the best business investments for private corporations who want to invest. And didn't ah
2: uh, interesting. So private businesses and individuals can get involved. And didn't you Absolutely. tell me you had a couple of health care challenges yourself? What were
10: they? I have. I've had four open heart surgeries, and mm-hmm. it helps me to understand what patients need. What are you talking about? What do you mean? So the idea of having been on the table or being a patient, I'm able to take a patient focus in how we deliver care differently than most people would. What would you learn
2: from those experiences personally? What do
10: you appreciate that most of us don't? I appreciate consistency. Um, I think that a, a staff at the hospital, nurses, providers, mm-hmm. parents, mm-hmm. family, All those people consistently being around me and consistently offering me hope, uh, I'm so full of it that I have to offer that to the patients and to the staff when I'm working with them. What's
2: the website address for the Loudoun Free Clinic?
10: Loudonfreeclinic.org
2: Let me have that one more
10: time. L-O-U-D-O-U-N freeclinic.org. We've been speaking with your name again? Ramon Parker. And this has been your Business Spotlight. Thank you.
2: We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Mercedes Lunt, Executive Director of My Sister's Place. Mercedes, what is My Sister's Place? What are you guys doing?
0: We support victims of domestic violence.
2: And how many folks are you helping each year?
0: About 500.
2: And how are you helping them? What are you doing for them?
0: We provide a shelter and transitional housing, educational programs, and supportive services.
2: Wow. Um, all right. Where Where are you from originally?
0: From Madrid and then moved to Bethesda when I was about seven years old.
2: Mm-hmm. From Madrid to Bethesda. Okay. And uh, how many brothers and sisters you got?
0: I'm the youngest of seven.
2: So what was it like moving the second youngest of seven from uh, Madrid, where you must have had your own little comfortable clan, let alone the community, to Bethesda. What was that experience like?
0: Well, the hardest thing was not speaking the language. Uh, I remember sitting in my elementary classroom and thinking, how in the world do they think I'm going to learn anything? I can't understand what they're saying.
2: Ooh, so it was, it was a bit difficult, huh?
0: It was difficult.
2: Uh-huh. And uh, what's that have to do with what you're doing nowadays?
0: Well, I felt like an outsider and that I needed support and I knew that I could be successful, but I needed support. And so I find myself now in a position helping folks who might feel like they're outsiders and all they need is a helping hand to be able to be successful.
2: David?
4: What kids did you hang out with in junior high school?
0: In junior high school, I gravitated toward kids who were on the outside because I knew what that felt like.
4: And uh, how does this relate to what you do now?
0: Well, so I know that I have the resources to be um, able to support folks who are on the outside. And they might just need a simple thing. So for in domestic violence, a lot of times it's financial support. And it might just be one month's rent that helps a family get out of a situation.
5: John? So at some point you moved to Columbia Heights, right? And you realized something. What was that?
0: Right. So when I moved to Columbia Heights, D.C., it was the first time that I realized that while I was sort of an immigrant in the U.S., I came with a lot of resources and um, support. And then I was introduced to Latin American immigrants who came here without support. And it really made me realize I could be them but I just happened to be born in a different situation and I really wanted to help them.
5: So then you went and worked for the mayor's office? What did you do there?
0: I did, I was the director for the mayor's office on Latino affairs.
5: Fantastic, and what did, what did that mean to you and how does that sort of relate to my sister's
0: place? Well, it was really eye-opening because I never knew much about city government or even federal government, but it made me realize how many resources are out there that people just didn't know about. And the only thing we needed to do was just to connect people to resources and there were tons of agencies, tons of programs that are out there to help people, but people don't know about it. And so it's making that connection. I
5: can see you're lighting up <laughs> even just talking about this. So you really like helping people, right? You helped people in the hospice, uh, doing fundraisers, you help the non popular kids, you're helping people that have domestic violence, Latinos, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, and my philosophy or my thinking is that there's so many resources and so much support, and there's so many people in need, and really a lot of times it's just connecting the two. Uh,
2: How do you figure out what you want to spend your time on?
0: I think about where I can have the most impact. So for a while I was working actually in Montgomery Hospice in Montgomery County, but I had a long history and experience and connections and network in D.C., and I realized that I was much more valuable to a nonprofit in DC, and that's when I actually came over to my sister's place.
2: Um, you were working in hospice.
0: I was working at Montgomery Hospice. So you're
2: doing clinical care. You were doing clinical. No, care? no. I was
0: doing fundraising, and mm-hmm. again, really bringing resources to the organization.
2: Why hospice?
0: It was something that I had dealt with with my mother-in-law, and mm-hmm. again, it was another eye-opening thing that you know kind of had a real impact on me
2: well what was so eye-opening
10: about it
0: I had never been in a position to see somebody going through the end-of-life process mm-hmm. and the way it happened with her through hospice was really gentle and um, gentle not just for her but for the family
2: and so it sounds to me like every time you experience some sort of a difficulty and see a solution you want to bring it to other people
0: yeah, and I think that that's one of the big things. Again, going back to it's a matter of connecting people. There's We have so many resources, and there's so many people in need, and it's not for the lack of... Resources. Mm-hmm. It's just making that connection. Mm-hmm.
2: David,
4: you mentioned in the green room, your your father had a very tr- traditional view of a of a woman's role. You right. me- talk about that real quick.
0: Sure. My father's from Spain. My whole family's from Spain. So growing up, he was the provider. My mother had seven kids, was the housewife, and really, um, though she was amazing, she is amazing. Um, didn't have the ability to go off on her own, and may have. Um, done that had she had the education and possibility to do that and so for my sister and I the youngest of seven um, that inspired us to get our master's degrees and to be in a position to do our own thing and do what we wanted to do are
2: mm-hmm. you married or single? Married Kids? two kids uh-huh. how old are they?
0: 20 and 18 uh-huh.
2: similarity between being the executive director of my sister's place and a mom
0: uh, yeah Being there, um, providing the support to my kids and my staff, making sure that they see the value um, in what they bring and not doing things for them, but providing the resources they need to to shine.
2: What do you mean helping them appreciate the value they bring?
0: So, for example, my son is brilliant, but he wasn't the kind of kid who could sit in school. I allowed him to drop out at age of 16. He took his GD, passed with honors, went to a computer coding um, boot camp and is doing brilliantly. but I saw where some parents may have said you have to stay in high school, you have to stay in high school I saw that he was smart and he was going to be able to do that.
2: So you're seeing people for who they are and supporting them through that right. That's interesting. Where'd you learn how'd you learn that? Where'd you learn that? Oh, it sounds like when you were a kid in junior high school, the kids you were hanging out with, you saw stuff in them too.
0: Yeah, and I think I saw that in myself because when I came to the U.S. and didn't speak English, I may have, um, I knew that, for example, in math class, I shined because math wasn't about speaking English, it was just about numbers. (laughs) Um, And so I knew I had the abilities. But perhaps because I didn't speak English, people weren't seeing that until I could speak English well.
2: So you're able to see what people can be.
0: I try to do that.
2: As opposed to uh, the labels that get placed on everybody, for example, your son.
0: See what they can be and provide them the tools to be able to achieve what they need to achieve.
2: See who we can be and provide us the tools to help us get there. Exactly. But it's up to us to get there. Yes, But you're providing the support so that we can.
0: Providing the support and the uh, encouragement to do so.
2: And the encouragement to do so. Uh Uh-huh. So uh, is this at home or is this at work?
0: Definitely both.
2: Uh, It's the same thing to you?
0: It's the same thing. I have a young staff um, who I mentor in the same way that I work with my sons, showing them that they can do what they set their minds to if they have the resources and it's just a a matter of tell me what you need to do to do your job well
2: Uh, or what you need uh, did anybody ever tell you thank you yes uh why
0: um I had a staff person who didn't think she could be an executive director and I left um, a nonprofit where I used to be an executive director and I convinced the board to make her executive director she didn't think she could do it and of course she did and she was great at it and now she's running her own nonprofit
2: so you see the potential in folks ever since you were a kid you began you know you saw it in yourself and you wanted to bring it out in others
0: Yeah, and I think that that is really key to most people, is just having people that believe in them. And that, in turn, helps you believe in yourself and accomplish things. And who
2: believed in you?
0: Um, Well, I would say I was self-driven and um, possibly my older sister, who was not necessarily in the position Mm -hmm. my younger sister and I were in because Mm -hmm. she was the Mm -hmm. oldest of Mm -hmm. seven got married at a young age and mm-hmm. didn't have those opportunities we had what's
2: uh, what's the website address for your organization my sister's place
0: my sister's place dc.org let me have up one more time my sister's place dc.org we
2: can speak with mercedes limp executive director of my sister's place here on executive News radio back in on right after this break
1: I'm Tina Leone. I'm the CEO of the Boston Business Improvement District.
2: And what is the Boston Business Improvement District?
1: We work to attract, support, and connect the most compelling, creative, and ambitious minds in our region. Boston is known as an epicenter for research and discovery. Uh, some of the greatest things that are invented, such as the MRI, the barcode, the internet the first satellite all were either conceived, funded, or developed by organizations here in Boston.
2: How, how old is this organization?
1: We're just just shy of six years old.
2: How long have you been there? Have you been uh,
1: almost six years as well.
2: Did you found this organization?
1: Yes I, I am the founding CEO.
2: why did you do that?
1: Well the the organization actually came about uh, by the commercial property owners. in why, Boston.
2: Why, why, why is it turn you on? Why is your gig turn you on?
1: <laughs> people. I mean we the 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 ability to connect people and then who knows the next great idea is going to result from that we have incredible minds in the washington dc area and ballston is as i said the epicenter for the smartest people in this area so
2: your job you're like the master connector
1: i feel like the mayor of of ballston the mayor of innovation because that's Uh
2: what's happening so your idea your your thought is in order to create more stuff in order to launch more businesses in order to cause more good it's a matter of connecting the right people
1: Exactly.
2: And you like being in the middle of all that stuff.
1: Oh, we love it. We love it. And simple things, just connecting people through events, through art. Uh, through a happy hour, mm-hmm. you don't know what's going to come out of that. Mm-hmm. That's what's exciting.
2: So it's all about the people, and you're the uh, you're the founder of this organization. Is this a nine to five kind of job oh, for you? Hell
1: no! It's a lot longer uh-huh. than that, baby. So
2: do you have to you have to work the weekends and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah,
1: sure, sure. Let
2: me have the website address of this sure, it's organization.
1: Bostonbid.com, and, and you can download the Boston Connect mobile app.
2: Let me have uh, let me have that website address one more time.
1: Bostonbid.com.
2: It's B-A, give me the spelling on
1: that. dot com.
2: Excellent. And your name again is? Tina Leone. And the name of the organization? Is the Bolson Business Improvement District. And this has been your business spotlight back in a moment. One help building your business with help from the show's CEOs. Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money. All the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that. Some of the CEOs who have appeared on our shows over the last 10 years may be willing to help you grow, assuming you're serious about your success, serious about your own success, because it all starts with the leader. If you're serious about creating your own successful business or truly committed to putting your nose to the grindstone and doing whatever it takes to make your business successful, we may be able to match you with successful CEOs who have created millions of jobs and earned millions of dollars to help you create your success. We've established unique relationships with a unique universe of over 7,000 CEOs who have created substantial wealth for their companies, their teams, and themselves. These women and men get the build in their blood and often continue to start and build businesses even after they've created substantial wealth for themselves because they love the challenge of building a business. Perhaps we can present you and your business to some of these CEOs to gain their interest in helping you. Now, email mentors at com. That's mentors at com, to hopefully match you with some of the CEOs we've had on the show for the last 10 years. Mentors at com. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Robert Peck, who's CEO and co-founder of Commonwealth Joe Coffee Roasters.
11: Robert, what is Commonwealth Joe Coffee Roasters? We're a mid-Atlantic specialty coffee company, and we provide full-service keg beverage programs uh, where people live, work, and play. Oh, interesting. How large or how small is
2: this company? We're
11: about 80 people. And where are you from originally? I grew up in Culpeper, Virginia. In Virginia.
2: And uh, how many brothers and sisters?
11: I have one sister. She's two years older than me. An older sister. What kind of sports did you play as a kid? played a lot of sports growing up. Um, uh, hockey, um, basketball, snowboarding, soccer. Uh-huh. Taekwondo. What, what was your favorite sport? I love soccer. And what was your role in the team? Um, played a lot of different positions on the soccer team.
2: You played a lot of different positions. Why did you play a lot of different positions?
11: I uh, played wherever they needed me. Um, but uh-huh. what, What's that have to do with your role as,
2: uh, it says, CEO and co-founder of Commonwealth Joe Coffee Roasters?
11: Yeah, well, anyone that's uh, started a, a business would know you got to wear a lot of different hats when you're getting started. You and really certainly do. have had to do that, but you also can't win unless you play as a team.
2: So do you see a similarity between uh, sports, soccer, and and coffee?
11: Absolutely. Like, what is it? Um, You know, certainly the the willingness to do whatever it takes to win, but being able to play as a team, the competitive nature, the desire, the burning desire to win, too. Hmm, interesting. David?
4: Um, You mentioned in the green room that your parents offered a reward if you got straight A's uh, in school, in elementary school. How did that affect you?
11: Yeah. It, it kind of made school like a game, almost like a sport. And, you know, you really wanted to master the game to get the 10 or $20 reward for that year for getting straight A. So it made me really want to win at school.
4: And, um, tell us about your friends and what you learned from,
11: I went to public schools growing up and, and, you know, um, hung out with people from, you know, both sides of the, the tracks and, you know, uh, spent a lot of time at their, at their houses. And, And just learn that um you know a lot of people come from different walks of life but at the end of the day everyone's a human being and um i believe that you know people have good intentions
7: and
4: you how does that impact your work today
11: um you know it's it's actually you know very similar at at commonwealth joe we have a lot of you know blue collar production and and distribution roles and um and then also you know white collar back back office roles people from a lot of different different backgrounds but we all play together as a team we're family
1: Mm mm-hmm
5: John Robert your uh, first job was a barista who who did you work with
11: yeah I worked with my mother
5: yeah and how was that
11: oh it was yeah it was it was great and I I still work with her today
5: talk about that
11: yeah yeah so uh, when I was a kid I was a barista and she was the master coffee roaster at the at the coffee shop and then uh, she started her own roasting business and then we started Commonwealth Joe years later to bring her coffee to market and she's still our master roaster today
5: that's phenomenal. You, you in the agreement room, you talked about a pilgrimage you took to Spain. What was that all about? Yeah,
11: so I'd been working, um, you know, in, in uh, systems integration consulting and then management consulting for a large uh, firm in the D.C. area for four years, and I just thought, you know, that that wasn't what I was going to do for forever, even though they treated me really well and I learned a lot. Um, I had this burning desire inside of me to do. Uh, to figure out what my life mission was so i, I did this uh, pilgrimage in spain called the camino de santiago uh, for a couple weeks went with one of my best friends and um you know came to the realization that my life mission was to you know empower thousands of people around the world to pursue their passions through business to change lives in the world
2: uh, wait give me that again and how'd you get that
11: um you know i i wanted to i realized i wanted to help people like my parents, uh, my mom is a coffee roaster, for example, to, to be able to pursue their passion through business to, to change uh, lives in the world. And her, her motto was always building relationships one, one being at a time. Tell, um, tell, tell
2: us about this pilgrimage. This was in a fancy dancy car or something like that?
11: Oh, no, it's uh, hiking on your on your two legs for, for weeks, you know, 20, 20 miles a day with a, with a massive backpack on.
2: So you're walking, and I believe the full trip's about 500 miles, so you're walking, and
11: was the weather beautiful? Um, uh, no, no, it's a lot of, lot of rain, and sometimes you get a nice day, but you kind of learn, you know, no matter what, you get up, and you, you go out, and you start early, and you go as, as far as you can go, and, and then you, you meet people along the way, and sometimes they'll stay with you for a few days, and, and uh, the journey, you know, continues, and you, you, you have a lot of thinking time. So why'd you do this? Um, I, it was that burning desire inside of me. I wanted to figure out, you know, what I wanted to do with, with my life and felt I'd, after working for four years in consulting, felt it was very comfortable and that comfortableness like really bothered me. I wanted to kind of figure out, you know, I wanted to do something, um, bold and I wanted to kind of figure out what, what I was supposed to do with my life and the difference I was going to make while I was here on, on, with my limited time on earth. So what did you figure out? Um, you know, I figured out, you know, I wanted to really help my parents invested so much in me. Um, as when I was growing up, I felt like I had life handed to me on a silver platter and you know, nothing made me more proud than when my mom started that coffee business. And you know, it, it was more of a passion project, but I wanted to see it be a thriving like business success and I wanted to see her mission uh, come true. So, you know, I figured, well, you know, if I want to help thousands of people around the world to pursue their passions through business um start with start with my mom so came back from that trip and that's that's where the the business was
10: birthed
11: John
5: yeah so talk a little bit more about your mom in the green room you were telling a story about how you know she you skied then she became a ski instructor you played soccer and she became a soccer coach Mm -hmm. and now I guess you're giving back a little bit right
11: yeah. You know, I think a lot of people take for granted, you know, all the sacrifices and the love they get from their parents. But, you know, my my parents, you know, now it now it all makes sense looking back. But at the time I took it for granted. But, you know, she was a taekwondo instructor and we, you know, got into taekwondo together. She was a ski instructor. She was a manager at the coffee shop and then a roaster. I got into the coffee stuff, um, you know, and there were there's so many other examples. But 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 my, my mom uh, and my dad both, um, you know, showed so much love to, to me and you know, my sister and, and, and later, you know, kind of realized like, wow, there's, you know, that I have an opportunity to, to, to give back to my, to my parents.
5: Yeah. There's a lot of stories of love, but that's amazing. And so, yeah. So how does that affect how you treat your employees now or your relationship to your employees? Yeah.
11: I mean, you know, I think my, both my parents, you know, grew up with military families. They traveled a lot. They had to make a lot of friends along the way, but, but they, you know, treated people with dignity and respect and, You know that that from all from all walks of life and that culture continues at at commonwealth joe like you know this is a place where you know some people start off at an hourly job just getting back on their feet and if they work hard and 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 do good work we give them increasing responsibility and there's there's a chance to 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 move into salaried positions and, and keep like rising with responsibility in the company so i learned a lot about treating people well um with love and thinking of people as people not as you know, um, employees that are just numbers and a means to an end. Um, And I think that's that's helped a lot.
2: Weren't you doing that as a kid hanging out with all the other kids where you were the only Asian kid?
11: Yeah, when I was in high school, my sister and I were like two of the only Asian kids in school. So we'd get, you know, made fun of a little bit growing up. But I didn't I didn't really ever stand it because, you know, there was there was so much diversity in our school. Again, I went to a public school and, you know, kind of realized, you know, people come from all different backgrounds. I'm from a different background, but I didn't I didn't have any control over that. And you know, now, you know, it's something I'm, I'm proud of, my, you know, Korean heritage.
2: How, how old are you now?
11: I'm 32. Uh,
2: and what's the next step? What's the future looking like for you?
11: Um, you know, we've now, now we're getting outside of coffee and getting into other better for you beverages like kombucha through partnerships. And we're not just providing cold brew to offices, but, you know, we're, we're, we really want to provide bev- better for you beverages where people live, work, and play. So apartment buildings, gyms, convention centers. And right now the business is is from dc to philadelphia to new york and we're looking to expand that geographically in the future as Uh well
2: and how are you giving back to the community how are you helping develop the community
11: yeah i mean i think i think one way to give back is is um you know certainly through cultivating a a good culture and, and creating you know careers not just jobs within our company to allow people to to really um you know to build to build lives at commonwealth joe and then i think every place where we're um, you know, putting a kegerator vending machine or, or one of our kegerators, hopefully we're helping to, you know, businesses to be like more productive and to fulfill their missions, um, or at, a, at, a, at apartment buildings, you know, like, we're giving people access to beverages that, that are healthier for them, zero calorie coffee, you know, high probiotic kombucha, you know, things that are making them like healthier, um, because you know, we believe like wellness is, 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 is so important.
2: What'd your mother think about your uh, wanting this to take that pilgrimage?
11: Um, I think she was all for the pilgrimage, but when I came back and I said, mom, I want to like, you know, leave my job and do this, this, uh, this coffee thing. She's like, I mean, that's really nice, but I mean, you know, you have a nice job. It's really (laughs) secure. Are you, are you, are you sure you want to do that for, for me? That's a lot of pressure. I was like, yeah, I'm sure I I thought a lot about this. Mm -hmm.
2: What's Uh, the website address for uh, Commonwealth Joe coffee roasters? uh, Kegvending.com. Let me have that one more time. Kegvending.com. We've been speaking with Robert Peck, CEO and co-founder of Commonwealth Joe Coffee Roasters here on Executive Leaders Radio. As well as we've had the opportunity of speaking with Blake Allison, founder and CEO of LifeSense with Whitney Jones. Uh, Jason Miller, CEO and president of ZyEdge and a bunch of other companies. Mercedes Lemp, executive director of My Sister's Place. And again, most recently, Robert Peck, CEO and co-founder of Commonwealth Joe Coffee Roasters. I would like to thank my co hosts, including Joe Applebaum, Potomac Companies, John Yetman, Association for Enterprise Growth, and David Kunzman, Pretori Law, for giving me a hand structuring the questions. Hopefully, providing our listening audience an educational and entertaining show. What is the website address for Pretori Law, Mr. Kunzman?
4: It's protorae Law.com.
2: And uh, Mr. Yetman, the website for Association for Enterprise Growth?
5: EnterpriseGrowth.org.
2: And Mr. Applebaum, Potomac Companies? And it's uh, PotomacCompanies.com, And don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com. To learn more about our executive leaders. Thank you for joining us today and have a nice day. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Executive Leaders Radio, the region's premier radio show highlighting local executive leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the show here on 1500 AM. You can learn more about Executive Leaders Radio by visiting executiveleadersradio.com or tune in next time right here on 1500 AM. That's executiveleadersradio.com.